Welcome to another installment of Show to View with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Japan, science, game playing, moving to Austin for love, and so much more with today's guest, Brian Matsumitsu Parsons, now of Kumuri fame and Tatsuya fame, also of Soto in Austin, the Japanese gentleman himself, talking about the lovely category of sochu and sake, and he's even classified as a sake sommelier, so lots of to learn from the man himself, so diverse, entrepreneurial spirit, and everything in between lights up this hospitality industry, and it was just a pleasure getting to chat with him. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Brian Masamitsu Parsons. Chicken fried chicken. Potatoes, that was not gravy. difficult, was it? Uh-uh, carrots. I, I can still tell you the numbers. Really? Right down as a server, yeah. It's a, there's something special about fried things. Definitely. It's in, and I, you know, had, so it's nice because they have green chili eggs now. I don't know if you noticed that. They've, I did not notice that. It's because it's been a while since you've worked there. Yeah. And I mean, I, when I want something southern and fried, they still always hit the spot. It's, um, unlike other things, as you get, get higher in, in level in terms of food and cuisine. Right. You know, they tend to drop off like, oh, Olive Garden is not my thing anymore. Right. Or Corrado, you know, these places. But sure. Cracker Barrel is always like safe. Yeah. And it, it's just something about Southern food just kind of tests the, you know, it stands the test of time. Always. Even though I don't like Leonard Skinner, I'll always listen to Freebird. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is it. It this will is... always age well. <laughs> and it's always just meet that guttural need for something simple but something good. Mm-hmm. Southern. All right, good. I got that other one. All right, here's another one. As an avid, self-proclaimed gamer, we are roughly the same age. You're a little bit younger than me, but we both grew up in the NES era. Oh, yeah. So, it's always Contra for me, but for you, what is one of those games that really made you want to game even more from the original NES? Super Mario 3. 3? Well, it's probably tied. Super Mario 3 and Rad Racer. <laughs> Dude, so Rad actually, Racer. I have, I have Rad Racer on my tattoo. Do you really? Yeah, and it's uh, it's one of the games I played, you know, with my dad, and so he's still around. Yeah, but uh, I played, you know, that one a lot. So that one, I have a lot of memories of 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 Rad Racer and uh, Mario Three. It's what I played with my siblings. Like, yeah, I just sat around and just Mario Three all the time. What's it, the Tanuki so, Mario? That yeah. never happened, right? That's like a random thing. And then there's the is. Did he have bombs too? One of the forms of Mario and Super Mario. He too? like jumped in a boot, right, and hopped around, and it didn't make sense. What the <laughs> fuck was like? I'm not in upheaval, especially twenty something years later, because <laughs> it was a yeah. great game. It's like now we're questioning now, now, <laughs> but no, I mean that's kind of weird. That's like a psychedelic game in some sense. Do you find that that kind of element where you really don't know what to expect is something maybe you find alluring about video games in general? Oh yeah. It, just like fantasy, sci-fi, all yeah. those things. It's just kind of you embrace it for what it is. You don't really question that. You just kind of enjoy 
seeing these things that are so different than say reality sure is it vicariously living in a place that's a little bit safer a little bit more charming um i don't know as much vicariously it's more just allowing your brain just to kind of absorb it not question it like you do everything else in daily life and just like take it for what it is and and just control that what you can on that screen i like that do what you need to do and focus on that goal don't have to overanalyze it just let it be right I like Marvel movies. See, there I, don't, you go. I don't think about it. People want to tear it apart. I'm like, I was entertained. I grew up with comics. I'm happy with what I saw. Did you see um, Black Panther? I haven't seen it. Not yet. Okay. So you excited about? It? Yeah, I usually wait till like week two or three when it's not too crazy. And people don't spill popcorn shit all over you because or, just... or bring like like newborn babies in and all that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, so, real appropriate for newborn babies. Yeah, like we have to see it first week. Baby wants to see it too. <laughs> no, they don't. So um, there's so many facets to this story, Brian. Like. There's the Japanese inspiration, which coming from your mom's side, as I just found out, we're sipping sochu from Japan. No English copy on there, so I don't know what the proof is. I don't know where it came from, except it came from the glorious country of Japan. Good enough for me for now. But when you first popped, because you were crafted a cocktail for the bourbon, blue glass, and blues, or BBB, B3, whatever. B3. Yeah, thank like, you. I don't know the order, but I, it's B3. <laughs> I tie it all up together. But then I started thinking, well, this guy's kind of a formidable force in spirits and then i said well actually he's quite an educator on a particular type of spirit so in the san antonio cocktail conference this year how did the talk about sake go um well actually so for that for the cocktail conference that it showed you sochu okay good yeah. well i'm glad that that's what we're drinking and that was um and yeah exactly so perfect with what you brought here this is delicious um normally like sake is kind of my bread and butter yeah that's what got me into a lot of the the spirits and, and stuff in the first place uh, at least now with japanese cuisine mm-hmm. shochu is now kind of a new a new thing that i'm really learning and really getting into mm-hmm. and so i did submit for the cocktail conference like hey i really want to go uh i just submitted a couple of talks that sound interesting yeah. if anything i can go to the conference i've never been before awesome so i did a sake and a shochu seminar and they picked shochu so like awesome well i Better get really good at shochu now. It's <laughs> so like, a good okay. excuse, isn't it? And granted, I, I've been around it for a while now. Especially, um, we we did a little shochu at the North Soda when we rebuilt the menu. Yeah, but more like the multi distilled type, that's like vodka. So right, like soju. So nothing too crazy. And then helping, you know, over open Kamuri. Yeah. Um, Mike introduced me with how like he's incorporating everything into Western cocktails, and so that was my first time really seeing that use as secondary spirits and split bases. Right, and just seeing people actually enjoy it even in its raw form like i've seen in japan which is just with hot water or just with a bunch of juice mm-hmm. like that's how my mom likes to drink it yeah and um and it was just really interesting seeing that and i was like okay this is cool and also having to explain to people why we didn't have vodka but we have something different it's <laughs> a good point that, that was the number one thing people like, yeah you have vodka we're like no but we have this thing called shochu and always got people into it yeah and then they're like oh that was good let me try other things and so that's one of the things i love about sake too it's Oh, you have sake and you go through and usually there's a lot of preconceived notions. It's, oh, I had hot sake or I had sake bombs when I was right, in college. Right. I don't drink that stuff. It's like, let me show you what really good sake tastes like. Absolutely. And usually I convert them. And I love just, I love that the part of the awareness, the education, and just like introducing all these new styles and trying to fit something that matches that person. And then that you just see it open their world. Yeah. And then you see them come back and ask them, hey, I want to try other stuff. And that's one of the reasons I love you know, I mean, I love the cocktail industry in general or food industry because of that. But right. Really, particularly like this current niche that I'm 
really diving into. It's kind of amazing. So, or not kind of it. I mean, that is, I, I love that you have this educational component where you want to empower people. Because you know, sometimes it's like, you want that? Pff, I know what's good for you. Yes. You're not like that. I can already tell. No, yeah. It's like, okay, well, tell me what it is that you say don't like or yeah. you didn't like before about it. Okay. Like, for instance, we'll have, you know, I had a person the other day come in. It's like, I don't like sake. And they're like, they don't want to tell me why. And they tell me, it's like, okay, every time I even smell sake, I think of vomit. I'm like, Fair. okay, that's the first time I've ever heard of that. And they're yeah. like, I don't think you can find me anything because they they have it associated with parties in right, college. Right. And then, of course, afterwards. And I was like, okay, well, I know a lot of people that do association like, yeah, like Jaeger or other things. Like, yeah. I love Jaeger now, but, you know, people bring up these certain things. Wherever, man. Yeah, exactly. They're yeah. like, oh, I can't. Uh, but so I'm like, all right. And so I just thought, okay, what is the most off the wall sake I have mm. that doesn't taste like sake for most people? So I gave him a, it's like a two year age Nama Genshu, which is unpasteurized, undiluted. Yeah. On the on our list, it literally says whiskey lover sake because it has so much body, so much wow. bite to it. Not wood or anything like that. It's just, it's different. Yeah. And so I just, hey, try this. They taste and like, oh, this is awesome. And like, wait, is this like shochu? It's like, no, it's sake. They're like, awesome. Wow. And so they got a glass of that. And after that, they're like, okay, I guess I still like sake. I just gotta find <laughs> the right kind. I'm like, exactly. You know, we, we have become jaded. We're like, I'm never going to fall in love again. Yeah. And then it and, just and takes that one thing. There's so much of that. You know, the same thing with like the certain, like we don't carry Tito's. Yeah. We don't carry like even Bombay Sapphire. We have um, Old Highborn. That's hey, all right. Gin. Mike turned me on to that. Cool. And then, we you know, we have a number of other we have like Aylesbury we have Nika coffee vodka we have all these other vodkas yeah yeah because I know that if I put Dripping Springs Tito's these easy to find vodkas on list they're not, nobody's going to try these other other styles oh, that's these a other, great point yeah. these new styles so now I sell a lot of Japanese vodka because I've taken away the easy path for most people mm. forced them to have a conversation and they're like okay cool I'll try it and then I just say hey you're going to like it if you don't you know it's on us sure. and people usually like the alternatives they realize Boy, good vodka tastes like good vodka regardless. It's a different deal, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and then that gives us, that forces the conversation that even lets us, you know, bring them over to shochu and, and things like that. It's a it's a really interesting spirits. I like spirits for a couple different reasons. One, because it tastes good. And two, because they have a nice uplifting power. Or if you hit the other side of the hill, a little bit of a downtrodden path when you yeah. drink too much, which is great. It's all about balance, right? right? It is, and it's constantly testing yourself. Testing <laughs> yourself. And, yeah, how, how far can I go and still feel pretty great? Yeah. Right? This is the, the eternal pursuit, both in love, emotionally, and physically, of course. But that's great. But the thing is, is you have, you could study scotch if you wanted. It's a massive class, multiple chapters, lots of terroir, lots of regionality within the country itself. You could talk about Mescales, 11 states, well, actually nine, two pending, Right. Or you can go home and you can go back to the place where you were most comfortable and rather that is home and kind of familial to you. So when you talk about when you're younger, what was the alcohol situation like? Did you guys drink with dinner, which is pretty customary? Did you sip things with your mother? It's actually pretty funny. You know, people assume that because I'm now like pretty passionate in terms of just, uh, you know, this industry, yeah. cocktails, all of this, that. I grew up drinking a lot, or I had a family that was into it. And then actually, um, I was a very late bloomer when it came to drinking. Sure. Um, uh, I lived with my mom for a while, up until, like, say, middle school age. Yeah. My parents were divorced early on, and then I eventually moved to my dad. 
they're very religious, so mm. we didn't see much of that. So it wasn't until my early 20s, 22, 23, first time I even had a drink. Really? Yeah. So it's actually about the same for me, I think. I mean, I, you know. You know, a lot of people you, are like, you oh. You touch it, oh, but. Yeah, I, I, I drank some at 16, all this. I just, because I was around, and I, I was heavily into religion at that point. With Yeah. What uh, denomination? Well. I'm just curious. I would say non-denomination, okay. leading Southern Baptist. Got it, okay. But I had friends and, you know, Pentecostals, sure. Catholic, all of it. And so I was pretty big into it in high school. And because of that, you know, I was like, oh, I'm not going to do that, this, this, all these vices. Sure. And then I moved out and went to college. Florida, Florida University, sorry? I went, so I went to University of West Florida. Okay. But they're a satellite campus for University of Florida. I see. Okay. So I could do my engineering um, dual degree program there. Yeah. But still get my, and get my UF uh, certificate, or UF bachelor's and still live close to home. Gotcha. Okay. And so it worked out pretty well, but um, just, just. Even just like an hour difference. So my family's from Crestview, Florida. Okay. And I did school in Pensacola, Florida. And so just that hour difference made me start thinking more for myself and realize that, you know, I, that some of those things that I was doing wasn't really for me. It just didn't yeah. really define me as well. And not that, you know, I, I've, you know, they're, they're still that, they're still very... Um, devout? Li- devout, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Devout. I hate saying religious. And no, right, to be right. be negative about it. But they're very devout... Um, I learned a lot of great, you know, things, morality, all of these things through that and have a lot of great friends still of from course. that. Um, it's a good foundation, right? It is. To build on. Exactly. And so, and I have great respect for, you know, anybody who practices any type of religion because of all of that. Um, Was there a moment for you where it kind of pivots? You know, Andres Chopitapara, he, he had the same thing. In Florida, he had the same actualization. <laughs> Oddly enough, kind of rifting from or creating rift internally with Catholicism. For you, was there a moment or it was just kind of a natural evolution? Um, I think it, there has always been a duality to me because I always, I had my mom yeah. who does not, did not really talk any type of religion, anything like that. She's kind of like, I want you to be happy. You live your life. You yeah. do your thing, you know, and for Japanese Shinto's the big thing, yeah, Shinto yeah. or Buddhism. And so, and for years I was always trying to convert her. I'd send her Japanese Bibles. All these things. <laughs> she was like, no, it's cool. And just the way she was very patient and all of that versus, what I was taught, which is I have to convert everybody. I have to, I have to, or it's bad, you know, and, and yeah. all, all these different things that I was taught. And, you know, it, I don't know, something about that reflected back on me. I was like, you know, I really dig the way she was about it. And other Japanese people I met or people just in Eastern philosophy, sure. where it's just like, you know, it's like, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my thing. You know, I can definitely help you or we can talk about it, but I'm not going to be throwing what I believe around at everybody mm. in your face, anything like that. I want you to be happy. I want to be respectful. I want to live a good life. Yeah. And I want to contribute and, you know, all these positive these things. These are good. These are things that people, w- w- these are pillars of which people should live yeah. their lives. And, and not that, you know, that well, my parents or other people in other religions don't believe that. Um, but it was that mixed with a lot of the Japanese, just like the philosophies and um, some of the Shinto beliefs. And even just like, like I was big in anime and, sure. and manga and all of that. And just seeing all of that. And it's just, it seemed more, much more interesting. I don't know if it's like <laughs> the gamer side of me. I'm like, oh, it's cool. They have like little gods for everything. And it's kind of more things. interesting. I'm and sorry. Like, but... really, oh, watch. You know, and then once you watch any of like the Miyazaki films, oh, yeah. like Toto, you're like, all right, I'm sucked in. This is, this is all pretty cool. I like, I like, I like all this stuff. It's just fun. And it's fun to think about like how everything eventually goes back sure. into one thing. And, it's about balance. Exactly. And and at some point during during college and all that, I realized only because there was a bunch of, um, there was church drama and things like that yeah. with my family and the church. And, and, you know, I realized that, like, 
it was a negative influence. Sure. And I decided to kind of step back from that. And I was also, at some point, like fourth year in college, I was also engaged, and that person wasn't very um, devout. Yeah. And so that caused kind of a riff with myself and my, my parents for a while. And unfortunately, that that is probably one of the pivotal moments where I realized, you know, that they have their beliefs, I have mine. I don't like that kind of mentality of not being tolerant. Right. No, I mean, and it's not, too much not of it already. But, yeah. but it's like it's like we have enough on our plates just getting through life and being yeah. great people and, and contributing our, you know, to the world in general right. for us to like kind of quibble over the little things and, and force our opinions or our beliefs on other people. And oh. so all of that's lightened up. Everything's great now. But yeah. that was kind of a pivotal point where I was like, you know, I need to reevaluate a lot of these things that I was taught. That's, I and, mean, that's a, that's a big moment to have. Whether it's because of love, love often causes us mm-hmm. to think about things in that way. In this case, it was kind of a relationship in some sense that caused the wedge, maybe. Yeah. But that's okay, you know, because now you are an equal opportunity lender. You yep. don't judge people for what they think is right and wrong. I'm, I'm making some kind of narrative here, but, you know, it, it carries on our judgment, our judgmental nature. If someone's ordering a drink, oh, pff, they want an espresso martini, really? Yeah, you, vodka soda, dude. Who gives a fuck? Like you said, it's already hard enough just being, yeah, existing, trying not to fuck up everything and trip <laughs> over yourself every day when you get out of bed. So that's amazing thing. But the first kind of path for you is engineering. Is that fair? Software engineering. At that time, it was uh, you have offered a dual programs with electrical and computer engineering. Okay, computer engineering. And so. So yeah, that was the, and I, I got lucky, you know, it was, I was going through high school, I had some friends, and then they all w- went to college, and they were all doing that, so I was like, cool, I'll do that too. I didn't really give it a lot of thought. Sure. <laughs> it just happened to be, luckily, that um, I'm, you know, I was, I already knew I was big into tech. Sure. Much more logical-minded, all of that. And so engineering just kind of worked, and I ended up being one of, like, two out of, like, six friends that actually went through and finish the program that's that's great i didn't realize and it so was. it was and like i said it just kind of was like oh no this stuff's really cool and does that so, come from anywhere like would it, your mom and dad were they either in that that feel like kind of electronic or kind of no neither of them actually have degrees my dad went to the air force that's no what kidding. uh that's what guys that lived in a uh, mars hill maine did okay fair and so they're like okay we either got military or we farm <laughs> so he went he did the military and that's how he met my mom in japan that's amazing okay and so yeah um so yeah, it was just that's just the route that kind of life took me on, and yeah. then finished that um, that engagement. I was talking about that didn't work out, and then after that, just I was you know I I did some I did a lot of service industry stuff while I was in college. Yeah. Right before I worked, you know, at a place called Horizons, which we worked with say people that were um, what's what's the right way to say it. Um, like mentally incapacitated, yeah. couldn't take care of themselves. So that's what we did. We took them around, helped them do jobs, um, babysat, things yeah. like that. And so that was cool. That was seen like in, into a whole nother world. Right. There was Cracker Barrel. Um, <laughs> a whole another world on itself. Yeah, too. I was there for about six years. Really? All through that, yeah, working at different ones. And um, yeah, through college, I worked Cracker Barrel, GameStop, Horizons, and even and did some of the the lab stuff, like yeah. lab, uh, lab tech hodgepodge at the same time all through going through school because that's what got me through college so man well because there is this glimmer in your eye when i mentioned cracker barrel there's a deep respect for it (laughs) yeah there is i mean people are like oh you said cracker i was like no i went from dish 
to dish trainer to server to server trainer. To, yeah. yeah, I mean, I liked it there. That's I so, think that's and, amazing. Yeah, so I enjoyed it. And then um, during college, I also did some uh, door stuff, bartending, you know, bar backing on the beach. And that's <sighs> terrible where life. That's where I was like, you know, I, I'm kind of really like the the drink making stuff. And so, and then, then I would also, you know, I'd do that there. I'd make drinks at parties. I yeah. love doing that. But you consider yourself a so because the thing is with engineering and any very whether it's mechanical, electric, it is really binary in most cases on off on off right now they can be a little bit more creative if you talk about developing yeah. ui and stuff right but it doesn't really to me say it's not a creative outline a creative field now i'm sure there's probably some philosophical things because <laughs> i see your eyes rolling a little bit but well, no it's so yes i do consider i guess i consider myself an engineer but the thing i like about engineering is the problem solving yeah i like taking something bigger breaking it down into small pieces and attacking it until you you come out with something at the end that's you know some semblance of what you were trying to achieve. Right. So how does that um, translate into a drink then? I guess that's what I'm getting at is that dr- if drink, you go down a path. Drinks are kind of creative. They're kind of good. They're they orchestral are. and you know? a, and programming and doing coding and things like that. it can be too. Um, sure. There's definitely a bit of elegance to some of that. I actually say I'm more of a bigger picture like architect style. Mm, so okay. I like to actually sit above one level and be like, okay, what you know, say like for instance, now I do also have a master's in software engineering. Yeah. And so that's what I primarily do now. And so I manage an open source software toolkit. Uh, we deal with taking data from GPS satellite receivers, using that to do a bunch of analysis and um, uh, interesting things for even your own programs for working with that data. And so both there's an external community, internal community, how do I balance you know, all these developers and multiple projects right. internally that use this product as well as the external developers. And so it's kind of like this higher level architectural piece of knowing all the technologies involved. Mm. How do I make sure it's stable, the quality's high, all these things. Yeah. I, I enjoy that say more than actually diving into the code and just sitting there and just and typing things up. Yeah. And so in terms of drink making, for me it's like a really condensed form of like writing a program or doing some project because in in a couple minutes I go from getting the requirements from somebody, <laughs> creating, figuring out like what best I need to do, like what components I need to put together to sure. solve that. You got a budget. And then I present the solution. <laughs> and then right then I get immediate feedback on whether or not it was good or bad. Yeah, Versus I like a project, that a Which can take like, Six. oh, cool, we have a 12-month deadline. Right. Yada, yada. So like by the time I deliver it 12 months, I'm like, what did I even do like six months ago with this? Like there's, you know, the, this, there's a disconnect between like, oh, man, I'm making some awesome change. Yeah. And then I find delivered by then. I don't remember. I'm just like, okay, are they cool with it? No. Okay, let's do the next revision. So the immediacy is pretty gratifying. It, it is. Like. And there, there's a bit of that like immediate gratification portion of of that where it's just like small bits of problem solving. Yeah. Right? And, I, and I love that. And then it's it's diving into like, okay, every component, how can I keep increasing the quality? It's like, okay, ice, the garnish, the glass, where it all <laughs> matters. And then like, okay, this specific spirit well now i need to actually go learn about this spirit and, yeah. what, and what other spirits are in that category that i can plug in here that and and what that makes that up so like gin what botanicals yeah ingredients and so there's something about that whole process or even like sake and different regionalities and the different styles or show you the same thing it's diving into that it's a bunch of that like learning and then problem solving with that knowledge that you learned yeah and that's part of just what i love about that side so you can be creative on both sides but there's more immediacy in terms of the creativeness on the cocktail side no i like that a lot that makes a lot of sense i never really thought because drinks are in a sense transactional 
Mm-hmm. Programs are not transactional. Mm-hmm. They're long-term things with a bunch of people involved. But you delivering this thing, you're the composer and also yeah. the, the director and the editor and cinema, everything. And yeah. the guy that's marketing it. Yeah, it's kind of nice. It's end, nose to tail, as they say, yeah. of a cocktail. So can you think of a cocktail that maybe you created or even something classic that at that point you're thinking, shit, this is actually something that's really, really interesting. There's so much potential and capacity for learning here. I've been having that, or I've been thinking that a lot with some of these shochu cocktails I've, mm. had, I've been diving into lately. You know, I get usually obsessed with a style or a spirit yeah. for a while. Yeah. So for a while there, you know, obviously I did sake, so I love sake, but I'm not the biggest, I'm more of a purist, I don't really like sake cocktails. So mm-hmm. um, if I want to do cocktails, I'm going to go shochu, you know, and then it was gin for a while, um, tiki style, yeah, which yeah. I'm still big in the tiki Whole style. other discipline, man. Yeah, which that one I was like, I got lost because I grew up in Hawaii. And so for man. me, like like that, and I want to infuse like some Japanese stuff into it. And so we have a couple at Soto, a couple of tiki styles. And so oh, that's great. But um, right now it's working with the shochu. We just released two shochu cocktails on the menu. One's a shochu old fashioned. Okay. And so it's like a barley shochu blended three different bitters and just two to one demerara syrup in there. Mm-hmm. And people are loving it. It's become our new top seller. But just playing around with the different ingredients and nuances, you know, I've talked to Mike a lot about like, it's like working with shochu is interesting because mm-hmm. it never really works the way you th- assume it's going to work. You just say, okay, really? It's like I'm going to work with whiskey, but because it's usually lower proof, 25, or in this case, a 35, mm-hmm. and there's no, say, aging in wood or anything, the bite's not there. I mean, how you think it's going to translate doesn't always translate the same way. Yeah. And it's like so, a soft-spoken spirit in a sense, right? It is. It, it's got m- so much dynamics as we're tasting here. Different layers, too. But you can eclipse it with just too much of anything. Bitters oh, especially, yeah. right? And even just too much agitation. Yeah. Suddenly you're like, well, where'd the shochu go? It was just there. If I, you know, if I shake it five seconds instead of seven seconds, yeah. the flavor there is just really potent, but just that little bit extra shake, and suddenly it's just muted Yeah. Um, because just that red amount of dilution hit. So it's just... It's interesting, and it's been fun diving in and learning all about the history and all of this, you know, creating educational material for um, SAC, mm-hmm. for um, the, the classes I'll be giving. I'm, about, I'm be doing a shochu class at Kamuri this week. Oh, cool. Then I plan to do Industry one. or public or both? Industry right cool. now. I just do, I do the sake classes over at Kamuri and, of course, at Soto. And then I'll be, now I'm doing so- shochu, which yeah. just makes sense. And so eventually I'm going to do Japanese whiskey in that mix. And so, but yeah. Another more expensive frontier. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> no, Japanese whiskey's fun. Luckily, there's not as much of an awareness. Yeah. You, there's, you don't have to do the awareness campaign for Japanese whiskey. It's like, it's whiskey. And people are like, ooh, really? And then, or if they've even heard of it, they're like, ooh, I want it. Yeah. They don't care about the higher dollar. We have been trying to build up a pretty big list. We have about 38 different labels right now. Of Japanese whiskey? At Soto, yeah. Oh, wow. I just... I have to. I run around just grab everything I can find. Yeah, and so I think there's only a couple right now that are missing, and so but a few actually. But yeah, I'm very proud so far of our collection. Well, so all right, there's one big move here from Florida to Austin that I'm curious how this whole thing worked out. Mm -hmm. And so, shall we enter chapter two or the second half with some Japanese whiskey? I think so. Okay, good. I didn't. It was. I didn't have to twist your arm. It's really good. (laughs) 
So tell me about this guy. So this is EY. So this is a whiskey by Mars. So which is another big distiller from Japan. Everybody knows Centauri and Nika. Sure, of course. But uh, Mars is also a big player over there. So a lot of their stuff is really interesting. This is, if you've ever heard of like Centauri Toki, uh-huh. which is Toki. like lighter, light whiskey in a way. Yeah, which is like you know, which is great with highballs, which is what they really push it for. Um, this one's got a little bit more of an age statement too. You can tell by the coloring. Yeah, it's very dark. And so we use this. You know, people are like, I want Japanese whiskey old fashioned, but I don't. I want you know, I don't want to pay a lot. Right. And so this is the one we go with. It's got nice spice to it. It's got nice wood to it. It goes great. It's thirty bucks if you were going to go like total That's wine. So it's yeah. great introductory Japanese whiskey, and it's very familiar because it's very similar to like you know just your normal American grain style whiskeys. Yeah. Are you stickler for proof at all on whiskeys? This this is eighty proof, so this is kind of the minimum. Yeah, I'm not too stickler. Um, yeah, I'm not a stickler for for proof really. Mm. Mm. I mean, in terms of like say how I build old fashioned, I pay attention to those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But you know, we have we have some fun cask stuff um, from Japan that's you know about one twenty proof. And so there's some fun. Now you're talking about the the antithesis of the sochu at that point, yeah. right? <laughs> so I but I Austin's a lovely place. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been here now? Since 2013. Oh, cool. Okay. So just approaching five years, yeah, around five years. Almost five years. What was the impetus for the move from Florida to Austin? Let's see. I was recently married in Florida mm-hmm. to my wife now. Sure. And one of the first things I told her when we started dating was, just so you know, I plan to get out of here. <laughs> um, what did she think about that? She's like, all right, cool. I want to too. I was like, Good. All right, perfect. Awesome. Was she a lifer in Florida too? <laughs> uh, yeah, we actually, um, it's funny. She actually went to high school with me. I dated what? one of her friends, didn't really know her that well. And then we re-met at our 10-year reunion. So very cliche. Wow. But- <laughs> That's not cliche. That's a great rom-com waiting well, to yeah, be written. No, yeah, exactly. So sorry. <laughs> yeah, more of a rom-com. Yes. Yeah, I'd watch so- it. Ben Stiller's going to be in it probably, right? Probably. Yeah, yeah. I think that's all great. Okay, so she's already on board to leave Florida. Lifers. Yeah, and I mean, Florida. Florida's great. We li- we work next to or we live next to, like one of the biggest Air Force bases, Eglin Air Force Base. Yeah. And I worked for civil service for the Air Force, and I was um, what was I? Suddenly a senior uh, radar analyst. Okay. And so basically, that's why you saw me on on that video for the Discovery Channel. That's right. It's one of the most secret structures in the U.S. But it was a 13-story tall radar, a space radar, and we would just like say we would track debris, track the ISS, track launches for us, wow. adversaries, all that fun stuff. Security is security clearance pretty strict at that point. Oh yeah, TS oh. and all that. Really. And so and so I was doing that, and I was there for a good six years, and but at some point, no real upward trajectory. And the thing about engineering for me is that while I love engineering, I don't usually stay on one topic for a very long time right and so like like i have different topics right now i want to work on that i don't work on right now you know it's just based on what i'm interested in at the time and so after six years i was i was getting pretty restless you know and my choices were either to move around within the air force civil service Mm -hmm. network which is pretty easy to do and they have great benefits of course or i targeted like kind of universities all around the u.s they're interested so one was hawaii because i was like ooh. Go back go to back, Hawaii. Yeah. Austin was one. Uh, Denver, Boulder area was That's one. That's nice, too. And so, so yeah, I mean, around that area in Florida, it from where we lived, it would, just to go to, say, to the grocery store, it took like 45 minutes. Oh, shit. We lived in the middle of the boonies. 
Um, the only things to really go do is go to the beach. Yeah. Maybe go to a shopping center. Now, now looking back, food options, drink cocktail options, not too good over there. Yeah. Um, except during, of course, uh, tourist season. And so if it wasn't tourist season, it was everything was dead, closed up. During tourist season, everything was too busy. Yeah. And so just getting a little restless, I wanted to go to the city where I had an opportunity to either pursue a PhD mm. or I can look into getting into a different industry and business and all of that and just have more opportunity. And same for my wife. And so, Is she in the same industry? Oh, no, no, that's right. Or, we were talking about this. Yeah, photography, she was right? a photographer. She did beach photography and all that over there and, and product photography. And glitter photography here in Austin, Texas. Now, yes. <laughs> she does that here. I, um, and so I was like, all right. And so I would just, I started prepping and, oops, excuse me, applying everywhere. And so I had a choice between, I was given an option to take a job in Misawa, Japan. Wow. Which is like ice festival, northern tip. Okay. Kyushu, just really cold. <laughs> Desolate? And there was no interview or anything for it. It was just Air Force. It was just like, hey, you want to go here? I was like, oh, oh, that's an interesting choice. Wow. They crossed the world. I was like, but it's Japan. And then Austin called me too. So UT yeah. was like, hey, you know, we like to set up an interview and all that. But the problem was the, the Japanese job was like, we need, we need your answer in like 48 hours. 48 hours? And I was like, what? Oh, crap. And so... I ended up taking the risk and say, you know what, I'm going to try Austin. So I you know, decided not to do Japan. For the first move, for especially for my wife, who's not really lived away from her family for, for too long, yeah. I felt like it was a bit too much. Uh, it'd be more of a cultural shock, and I wouldn't be able to pursue other avenues. Right. It'd be even of, more desolate, it sounds like. Exactly. I mean, it'd be great. I, I would immerse myself in Japanese, you know, just the society itself, yeah. and be able to easily learn, you know, relearn Japanese and, and all of that. But I feel that I would still be kind of stuck in that, you know, this engineering type. Not not engineering, I won't say that. But I would be, in terms of my creativity and the things I want to work on, yeah. that would still be at a standstill, although I would be in a new culture, in a new place. Right. And even my wife's opportunities would be different because, well, she's she wouldn't be a Japanese citizen. Yeah. And it's in the northern part, like the coldest part of Japan. <laughs> Man. And so we're like, okay. I was like, that was interesting. And then... The UT job was for applied research labs here, and Austin's an awesome city. And so I was like, oh, man, there's opportunity to get into tech, all kinds of things. Sure. Just, just getting there is awesome. And then from that, just kind of see what happens. And so then came here, did the interview, got the job, and yeah, so we came here, and so it worked out. So five-something years later, how do you you and your wife feel about Austin? Pretty st- glad still you like, made that move? Yeah, um, we still are want to travel a little more. She's sure. still like, I want to go see more. She wants to go to Japan and all that. Yeah. Um, whether here is home base, we're still feeling that out. Maybe here, maybe Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, you get some options. Kind of nice. Yeah. Either way, it's like I definitely want to have like you know a foundation here in Austin, regardless whether I have something I've helped build here that I'm constantly back here yeah. for, or just own a piece of property here. It's. I mean, Godspeed if you yeah. can get a piece of exactly. Well, exactly. And so like maybe in in like Hutto or something. Yes. And it's like perfect. Oh, I'm close to Austin. <laughs> Good enough. Um, you can see it. But we, we love it. this city. You know, when we moved here, I told my wife, it's like, look, she was doing wedding photography, yeah. beach photography, product photography. Those, and she didn't really love it. I was like, you know, I have this job. You now have the opportunity to do whatever you want photography-wise. So just do it. Like, don't worry about going to get a sh- job, coffee right. shop, job, anything like that. And so she did. And, she, and it didn't say, like, take off, take off to where she's, like, a star. But she really has been able to, spread her wings creatively she's like okay i want to do shoots of kids and then she started doing fairy shoots yeah 
and they started making costumes. Oh, and man. Literally every Sunday, I would be out there in the field with her, dressing up a kid and all this stuff that she made with fairy wings. I'm throwing glitter and blowing bubbles and all these shoots or using smoke grenades. Yeah. And it was fun. That is cool. And she did that for about four years, and now she's getting into a fashion design and clothes making. That's she's realized she's she's now taking a step back from some of that photography to do that. And yeah. So, but that led to all the things that she learned doing, you know, being able to experiment and try other things. Now she can she's moving forward with something else. Working with kids so often does it make you guys think about having a family, starting a family, any of that? Yeah. When I married her, I knew that she was on the fence when it came to kids. Yeah. And um, at the moment, we decided not to have kids. Yeah. Yeah, I've and, made and, that same choice. And yeah, and, and you know, she she loves working with the kids and all of that, um, but she's just never had that. You know, she's great with kids, too. Yeah. I've always been just on the kind of nonchalant, like, yeah, if my wife wants to get off kids, but I have all the <laughs> stuff I want to do. So right. I'm not going to be bored in my lifetime that I can think of. Yeah. And so, and yes, there's always, you know, cause I'll tell my guy friends like, well, don't you want that feeling of having like somebody to pass things off to? And, that's kind of self-centered. And, a and all this. I'm like, well, I mean, yes, as a guy that sounds cool and romantic sure. and having like my own little, you know, co-high or whatever I want to yeah, call it, nice. sidekick to pass it off on. Cool. But you know what? I was like, but there's also a lot of like kids out there that are in need that could be that. Yeah. I'm like some, if just to say Japanese kid that's like abandoned or yeah. like orphaned, you know, it's like, I mean, how do I know that my kid's going to turn out to be somebody I want to pass off everything to? No, it's a good point too. You know, but I feel like there's a lot of people, there's a lot of kids out there that could use that. So it's like, you know, if I choose to do that in the future, I'd rather help one or multiple, you know, or just, like you've mentioned before, just giving back in general yeah. to kids. And, you know, because I still want to travel, do all the stuff. I've always felt bad because for me, it's like, yeah, I have kids for my parents. <laughs> and, or for my, like, I feel bad, you know, because they're always like, we're having kids. And but my, my sisters <laughs> are often kids. So I'm like, see, it's good enough. Yeah, that's good. See, my parents realized the ship sailed. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be 40 before no time now. And my wife. I can't even drink. No, it's that good that it escaped. It escapes. Well, lips. it was like I was trying to dodge the mic. <laughs> And I lifted it too high. I was like, ah, oh, crap. See, you've got too much, Brian. Obviously, know, there's, too, like, there's too many one, drams. One sip of shochu is all it takes. Well, it lights the night up, baby. Mm-hmm. No, but it's one of those things. It can be very selfish, the motivations for having kids. It can also be very selfless. I, I'm, a, I'm not on the fence. I'm very, very, very certain about my decision. But I, I can understand, understand what people want to yeah. have kids. And the thing that's kind of interesting with you, and again, I find we're somewhat similar. You got a day job that's pretty good mm-hmm. it allows your wife to pursue her creative outlets which is awesome which makes her f- build even bigger creative outlets which is probably good and bad right yep <laughs> but yeah it's like oh how much money will that take yeah that's All right, right. cool how but many she, arts and crafts are in the house now yeah like, but luckily <laughs> she's always been able to pay for her equipment her cameras her computers yeah something like and i'm like oh cool you spent too much i can tax right off cool perfect and so for me it's always been kind of a neutral neutral state yeah, yeah. it's not a positive influx but same time she's happy being able to be creative right not on my dime necessarily sure no i mean it's a nice balance I'd say. yeah so you already had a day job mm-hmm. you're working at least 40 hours a week and somehow that wasn't really scratching the itch and so what was the first foray back into hospitality here in austin was it soto up north it was soto up north and so you know i came here ARL, um, UT, uh, and the Space and Geophysics Lab, you know, they're great. Yeah. Learned a lot of great stuff. You know, in the first year, published a paper, did a conference talk, you know, gave a talk at a conference uh, for GPS and what we do. Yeah. And did all this cool stuff. Um, one of the first things 
goal-wise, I was trying to do when I got here was, am I going PhD or not? Yeah. Working with a bunch of PhDs, going to all these conferences, it didn't take long for them to convince me not to get it. Really? Which is interesting. I assumed like, oh, yeah, everybody, but yeah. Well, one reason was I didn't have a clear topic that I thought that I would be willing to sacrifice so much of my time right. and potential, you know, career potential to do. Like these guys are like, you know, we love what we do, you know, in terms of like what we're working on. Yeah. It's like, but in terms of like, but yeah, I've had to sacrifice so many other things for it. And so it's like, unless you have that one thing that you were willing to sacrifice just to push that field just a little bit in terms of like human knowledge yeah, further, yeah. just a little piece further, then don't get a PhD in anything. Because the amount of time and discipline you have to put into that, like you're going to look back and regret it if it's not something that you were just like super into. And I was like, okay, wow. well, that, that's a great point. Yeah. And I thought, well, at that time, I was like, there isn't <laughs> anything. Yeah. But that also tweaked in me is like, well, what are what are, what what is it that I want to work on? What is it that I still want to gain knowledge on? And it, you know, around that time, now this part's pretty cliche. It's like reading a four-hour work week and yeah. all these books because I'm like, all right, well, I want to open myself up to other opportunities. And so that's when I started going. Okay, I really you know, you know made a list. Like these are things I want to do. It's like I want to learn a lot more about my half Japanese culture, uh -huh. which up to that time, you know, I've been kind of lazy about. It's like, oh yeah, mom cool don't really know much about my family in japan can't speak japanese all these things like all right so these are all on the bucket list sure i need to do something about these um i love cocktails and doing all that and sounds fun at least on the side i like to re-pursue that route just to mm -hmm. see what happens because i really like doing it and i love doing parties and, and doing drinks like that and then after and then there was also like okay, well what, what tech things i'm interested in and so so that's simultaneously i decided hey i'm gonna get back into bartending just to see mm -hmm. you know it just happened to be that oh i'm gonna learn i'm gonna learn japanese and all this and then i started getting into the tech side which is how my masamitsu tech brand and all that and I, yeah, yeah i was doing that pretty heavy there for for a year or so just like really into like iot and big data and, and robotics and all these things just to be like all right where, what is it that i like helped with uh iot meetup here in austin all this stuff but then I started doing the bartending, happened to land it at Soto, which I was like, hey, we need somebody right now. I was like, okay. I just moved there. <laughs> it was right next to my house. I was like, talked to my wife about it. She's like, well, you'll be busy, but hey, it's extra money. We can pay off debt. Sure. Because that's a goal of mine is to get rid of all debt, school debt, everything. And so I started that. Well, the guys had, that were running the bar had all walked out. So it was me and another person. Oh, brand man. new. So we're like, okay. And what's funny is um, uh, Ty, who's who was at Vox and is uh -huh. now over. He was actually the very first soda bartender that set up the first menu. No way. In that location. So, oh, yeah. I didn't and I'd only really heard stories about him. And so, and then one day I was in Nickel City. I was like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know, I'm going to manage the second soda. He's like, wait, soda? And then he told me that. I was like, wait, I heard stories about you. He's like, oh, because he would bring oh, his, heard stories about how he'd bring his bartender bag in and he was like super serious sure. and all this stuff. And I was like, well, I was like, that's cool. And then after now, it's every time, you know, shots every time I see him. <laughs> so that, that for was life, cool, yeah. yeah, that was that was a cool connection. So oh, like, that is oh. cool. Because I had met him other other ways, like through like kind of other Asian like cuisine things. I just didn't realize he was this person. Wow. That we that shared this thing with me. So, but um, yeah, jumped into that. I was like, okay, gave me the opportunity to like. So I just sat there and just absorbed everything I could. I was like, oh, cool, sake. I don't know anything about this. Absorbed it. Um. The, one of the guys that had left previously, we rehired him. He's now one of my close friends, and he manages the North Soto oh, cool. bar program. We both in, uh, took the sake, like sake uh, 
certified sake professional course in mm -hmm. Vegas uh, by the Sake Education Council. So you can call it professional SOM, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But kind of first level. So that really, and then we came back and we re rebuilt the whole bar menu. And that really kind of triggered something. It's like, cool, now I can do this on the side. So learning Japanese spirits. As I'm learning about Japanese culture and Japanese language, because it all kind of forces me to going down this path. In order yeah. for me to be able to actually learn more about sake, I have to eventually learn Japanese. Yeah, yeah. And how to read labels and all of these things. So it's helping you complete your bucket list inadvertently yeah. in a way. And so for that, I was like, oh, that's interesting how that all combined on that side. On the other side, you know, I doing all the tech side and all that, you know, love doing a lot of that. Kind of took a step back from that, but that is setting up, say, for kind of my next thing eventually that I want to do. So, you know, we'll see how long I am at ARL and Sage and Geophysics Lab and, and all of that. But I have some other tech things I want to do too. So I know. You started like a, like a venture group or something too. You got so much. Yeah, oh yeah. You're not yeah. spread thin, but you got a lot of tendrils. <laughs> yeah, I have a local multiplayer gaming group for Meetup that yeah. we meet once a month. And it's part of the North Austin Game Night. We'll be starting back up in March again. I have a Austin Sake Social which is more of educational. Every we go to Japanese places, meet up, and just drink sake and, and all of that. Which how does one get involved with that lovely endeavor? Meetup.com. No, sh and just sign up. Yeah, it's free. Wow. And so I, yeah, I've made multiple meetups, and people have come in. They've loved sake, and it's been really cool seeing that. And so I took a break a little bit for a couple months while we set up this new soda, but I plan to start doing this out of soda. Wow, that's I mean, it's another. Another allure to a great spot. And so you travel. So one, does, did your wife join you with this stuff? Does she enjoy drinking like you do? Or at least drinking and enjoying it like you do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. yeah. Like she's, I've, she complains because she's, I've made her more of a drink and food snob. Yeah. In a way. But she loves like a good tiki drink. She loves a good like actual like booze drink. She yeah. appreciates spirits now. And she loves like, she's, she's more introverted. I'm the one who likes to go to the event and I'm just like talking to everybody. Yeah. And she'll just sit there and hang out with like one person in the corner and be happy. Man, that's a that I think is really helpful for relationships, especially in this industry. And so you, you know, you've got the day job, the multiple endeavors, working with people, doing classes, doing education. You were a server and an educationalist at Kimuri <laughs> too, mm -hmm. right? Where you you talk about Mike a bit, which Mike's a great guy, best chest hair in the biz because he has so many few buttons in his shirt. It seems like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I learned so much just. And I don't even know if he knows this, probably, but like just watching him, because like, I was one of the bartenders, and just kind of secretly like, seeing just the little things he did. Just yeah. like, oh, I see how he batches that and does this. That's a great way to say, it. you know, because he he had like he has like ninety something cover like seats there, and yeah. he has just one well, and so he did so many things to like streamline that. And so yeah. I incorporate that. You know, we have only fifty to sixty, you know, covers in terms of what we handle at Soto, and we have two wells, but still, I'm like pretty much batch everything yeah. as much as possible multiple you know as little touches as possible per cocktail just a lot of these little things that it's I. it's a very japanese up. philosophy though yeah and you know and so yeah and so i just i learned a lot just just creepily sitting there and watching him and all these things and you didn't even know <laughs> do you think that you're going to be able to walk away from the hospitality industry at any point and just focus Pro on tech mm -hmm. probably not in one form or fashion I'll probably still be in it now. You know, a long-term goal is to, you know, become kind of an expert in sake and shochu, yeah. Japanese whiskey. Maybe do a little consulting, helping people build out or add those spirits into like a Western bar program. 
Mm. Um, I love like all the connections through distributors and all these brew, ma- you know, the brewmasters. Sure. I love that side. I love just talking to all them, learning all the new things. And so I would love to start being able to travel back and forth to Japan mm. more often too, and just kind of and do that. And so, so you know, I I, I can always see myself doing this. Not some way or like another. just behind like one right, row, right. one restaurant all the time, but you know, just constantly, just kind of expanding and just and just doing that. I love it because yeah, like um, if you've been to Kome, sure, Kome's got a great new bar program by Nalto over there and there. So they also have shochu cocktails. Cool. So if you want a good shochu cocktail, it's going to be Kome, Kamuri, or Soto South Lamar. Yeah, <laughs> so of course they've got a yeah. And I, I just I just have this want to like get every all the Japanese restaurants kind of working together. Yeah, because we've we've talked about. <clears throat> or at least we've brought up, you know, the talk about training staff all together, like mm. all these restaurants, just having big giant like sake sessions and sake training sessions and stuff. It's like, why not? Like, let's just make this big here in Austin together. Yeah, I, lo- so. I love it. I think it's a great idea. And I think it's obviously the reasonable and realistic evolution of the cocktail scene here. Mm-hmm. So we're doing some great things and we can always yeah. learn. And there's mescalerias, like we already got that covered. We've got agave covered in a lot of different ways, but not Japanese spirits and beers or sakes however you mm-hmm. like to refer to it so all right i got two two questions left for you and this was hopefully not as daunting a task to sit here and chat with me as it might have been when you listen to mike phillips <laughs> <laughs> interview but it was a real thing man real moment wonderful guy love mike to that oh, mike's awesome so you are sipping anything you can sip let's say your favorite shochu it doesn't matter what it is but you're in any bar or anywhere in the world and you can sit there and have a conversation and sip this lovely spirit. Who would you be so excited to share a conversation with, living or deceased? Oh, man, that's a hard question. It changes from week to week, I think. No, it really does. Um, hmm. Trying to think of something like, because there's always like somebody I could pick up that I would probably never have the chance to do this with. Mm-hmm. But then there's also people like, well, I'd love to sit down with this person who probably is within a couple, you know, arms reaches mm-hmm. that I could. Um, I'd probably be sipping. It's just social old fashioned, just because I'm into that right now. Yeah. And so, not necessarily what I make, but just nice social old fashioned. Hmm. Yes, I'm. I'm beginning to tech lady. I would just say Elon Musk. <laughs> I've, I've been, I mean, why not? Yeah, I'm like I'm going for like somebody that I'm probably not gonna run into in my life. Yeah, but um, I'm I'm a big fan of what he's trying to do, not just like the simple things like oh SpaceX and cars. Right, right. His big plan and how all of those things he he's doing are all pieces for this huge plan he's doing for this plan to colonize other planets. Yeah, and so it's it's kind of the ultimate, you know, like problem solving big problem breakdown into multiple pieces and actually seeing somebody actually over a long period of time moving forward on that. Sure. So electric cars, you know, habitats that can be solar powered, underground tunnels that would probably work great in Mars. Yeah. Um, you know, all, all of these things that he's building in these different companies. I mean, it's just... It makes a lot of sense. I mean, I would love to. I don't know what he drinks, but I'll, f- I'll find out just for that opportunity, <laughs> right? exactly so yeah so i'll change shochu to whatever he likes i'll bring it <laughs> to get me at the bar so exactly. i can hang out and so yeah some so i'm big on yeah elon's really cool yeah so. i think so man and 
again how it all ties together for the greater good and improving humanity itself instead of just himself but a lot of opinions on the guy and that's quite all right there is and like i said, just like looking at the big picture it is scary thought that if he's the only thing that's pushing that forward if anything happens to him yeah like, real, i'm like oh no because yeah. i want to see it i want to see it come to fruition just yeah. like all those little those goals because of how hard that is i mean it's incredibly ambitious to say the least oh yeah all right, so the last question with this education, this orderliness of your cognitive process, we'll call it <laughs> that, do you see yourself venturing into authoring and writing a book about this passion of yours with Japan? I do, actually. And so my first foray into the writing is actually creating a website called JapaneseSpirits.com. Yeah. And that's just going to have like, so, so you know, it's going to have sake, shochu, Japanese whiskey, and just some of my writings about it, some 101 stuff about it, mm. you know. And then I have some other ones I'm working on with industry stories and all these, like, really fun, interesting things. And eventually I'll take all of that and compile it into books. That's great. Just, just you know, I guess that's what they do now in the blogosphere. But it's it's for me, it works great. Cool, I can write it in pieces. Yeah. And then eventually do that. But, no, yeah, writing and, and things like that have always been something that, I'd like to do at some point. Somehow I knew. Somehow <laughs> I could see it on the horizon as a next logical step for you. It, if anything, it's just an easy way to be able to be like, okay, cool. Hey, guys, here's a great way to learn something and just uh, just distill whatever it is yeah. that I've distilled that way. They don't have to do that. They can then take it on one step and you know, versus me having to repeat the same thing over and over. <laughs> so just Again, efficiencies. Yeah, exactly. Well, we shared some sochu. We shared some... Japanese whiskey. Honestly, we're really on brand right now for the Japan <laughs> brand. This is perfect. I, I'm going to come visit you as soon as possible in Soto, mm-hmm. South Lamar, and I can't wait to see what you guys are doing next. And you, we'll talk more about this education piece and this kind of chronicling these brilliant insights that you have about Japan and its corresponding spirits. So, Brian, been brilliant chatting, man. Yeah, it's been, it's been great. Thank Good you. Good dude. Salud. Yeah, come by. Well, there we have it, Mr. Brian Masamitsu Parsons, formerly of Soto, now spreading the sake and sochu love at Kamuri and Ramen Tatsuya. A brilliant guy, super intelligent, has a scientific look on things, but yet loves people and the hospitality elements. And it's good to have him in Austin. You know, he's a creative guy, but he balances that left brain, right brain stuff out quite well. Thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me, Brian, and I cannot wait to sit down and sip some delicious sake with you. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how many of the 50 horror movies you haven't seen that you should watch, you've seen as I'm watching Alone in the Dark, or if you're thinking, man, it's getting pretty hot in here, please, you can't.